Hello. Um, I'm not bad. How are you? Um, considering, uh, not as good as I have been. <laughs> are you limping around like a cripple again? Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Ah, I'm just uh, doing some. I just saved the game. I'm on. Save and quit. Alright. So I'm going to start. Uh, I haven't got any preamble to do today. Dear listeners, if um, this manages to make it into the podcast, you can now hear the sound of me uh, pulling back some of my Magic the Gathering cards. I've recently become quite addicted to it. Do you want me to start reading some of the names for you, dear listener? Forest. It's a land card. Hardy veteran. One colourless, one green. Creature, human warrior. As long as it's your turn, hardy veteran hits plus zero slash plus two. For the Sun Empire, the immortal sun is a symbol of... Oh, hello, Nathan! Ow. How are you? Could you not guess? (laughs) In excruciating pain, perhaps. Sorry, headphones on now. Sorry. Headphones all on? Headphones all on. Let's go! A Mario! Right, Nate, what did you learn this week? That hamstring tears or problems are not at all. Mm. I, I learned how, um, how you measure the, uh, the association con- the association of um, antagonists to enzymes. Oh. It's very complicated and annoying. Oh, when when you said antagonists, I thought I was I was getting quite excited for narrative theory. No, but... no, no. It's enzymes and biology and stuff. Are there any antagonists of enzymes? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Like so, in in a in an enzyme, you have the agonist, which is the thing that has the effect or that is used by the enzyme. So, for example, actually, I can't think of anything. Um, but yeah. So there, there's a there's the enzyme that does a thing, and you have the agonist, which is the thing that the enzyme does a thing on. If that makes sense, the substrate yeah. upon which the enzyme acts, and an antagonist is something that, in some way, shape, or form, prevents the enzyme and substrate from reacting. Whether that by being a competitive antagonist, which is where it literally just gets in the way, it sits where the substrate should react on the enzyme, and just it just sits there and gets in the way, does nothing. That's a competitive antagonist. A non-competitive antagonist uh, does something more sneaky. Uh, one, I think one of the versions of it is it will um, bind to a different spot on the enzyme and will then cause the enzyme active site to deform in such a way which means the, enz- the substrate can't bind. That's just a little biology for anyone who's interested. Yeah, are, are you going to describe it like that in your like dissertation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd write coursework about it. I'd write coursework uh, about it. It's just fun. <laughs> uh, how the um, non-competitive antagonist um, mm. is sneaky in how it's it sneaky. goes about. <laughs> to be fair, because like, of um, the level you're assumed to write for, I can just say competitive antagonist, and it, it, it's assumed, unless the question is asking about it, that the, the, the reader knows. Okay. 
but it's not like I'm reading it. Hmm? It's not like I'm reading it. No, 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 it's not for laymen. It's for uh, people of a certain level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I don't have. So, this week we're doing topics weirdly, aren't we? Um, are you, uh, you going to yeah. start with uh, my topic? With your topic? So you, you bring me so, mine? So I bring, how are we doing this again? Cause so, I literally forgot, I told you five minutes ago. Uh, actually, less than, well, maybe five minutes ago. Um, so, you, we've each brought a topic that the other will discuss. Mm-hmm. Right? What is your topic for me to discuss? So we've each brought a topic for the other to discuss. Yep, discuss. Yes. And then the next bit is questions. Questions. One question each, and then uh, the last what's, topic. What's the difference between the discussion and the question? Um, the same thing to talk. This for like, this weird layout, it's kind of the same, um, but. Obviously, normally it's different, but for this weird layout, there isn't much of a difference. Yeah. Anyway, come on. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll stick because this bit is going to take a little bit of explaining. Okay. Um, so it's more kind for of me asking. or for. So, me explaining to you. Right, okay. And then you kind of giving what your take on it is. Okay, I'll sit back. Um, Regale gonna, me with a tale, Nathan. I'm going to be try and be as impartial and as objective as possible. Mm-hmm. So, um, have you heard about Caster Semenya? No. So, Caster Semenya is a middle distance runner, um, and she has hyperandrogeny. Uh, you do know what hyperandrogeny is? Um... Judging by the um like the the words um hyper hyper or hypo? Hyper. Hyper androgyny. Well uh, it might be hypo, I might have been saying it wrong my whole life. Um So androgyny as far as I remember, androgynous is something that is um not like it's something to do with lack of gender or something like that. Well, it's kind of so for yeah. So hyperandrogenism is mainly or hyperandrogenism is medical condition where there is excessive levels of androgens. Um, oh, androgens are precursors to testosterone, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, kind of in women, hyperandrogeny is kind of show signs of women being more masculine and in mm-hmm. N it's lower levels of testosterone what? Hypo then if it's lower levels oh, no, no, of no, no, no. Well, well, hyperandrogeny in men kind of yeah so higher levels of um, testosterone in male bodies as well but hypoandrogeny is kind of like the opposite where men appear to be more feminine mm-hmm. you know what I mean Butchered that kind of explanation. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's fine. But so, so Semenya is has hyperandrogeny, so she is more masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of pictures of her. Um, yeah. And so, and ba- basically, um, there's been a lot of controversy because she has been very successful in in 
in her career and in running. Oh, she's um, South African. Oh, cool. She's South African, so that's not going to make you biased at all. Uh, no, um, definitely not. <laughs> so, so she has already served an 11-month ban um, due to her. Is it? I think I wrote down abnormality condition. But, but yeah, basically her. Oh, I think it may be composition. I might have tried. Right, I, I would I'm say condition is a better way of putting it than abnormality. Yeah, but well, I'm just well. Her, her, I mean, it is it is like by the definition of abnormality, normal is tends to be people. A normal person, a normal in quotation marks person, would not have the average person would not have hyperandrogeny. So technically, it is an abnormality, but abnormality is quite a wrong word. Yeah, so condition is a better word. Yeah, so. So she's already served this 11 month ban for it. Uh, she's come back, um, been successful since her comeback. She's an Olympic champion as well as also winning um, a medal. It, so she's an Olympic champion in the 800 meters and she is also, I think she was a silver medalist in the 15 as well in Rio. So um, she's very a very successful athlete. Um, so the IAAF, this is where the kind of thing has come in. The IAAF has imposed a new rule change, which is going to ban people with, or ban women with a uh, certain, maybe it's a certain level of testosterone or a certain level of androgens. Um, from competing in the is it the Olympics women's running uh, in the four in the four hundred to mile distances, as well as the four hundred hurdles and also by extension the heptathlon because the heptathlon has the eight hundred in it. Mm-hmm. So. Is that is that the is that all the explaining you're going to do? Not, not all. So the, okay. So the, so what's come out of it is um, a South African lawyer, Steve uh, Cornelius, who was part of a tribunal uh, for the IAAF. He has resigned from his position because of this new rule change. Um, basically, stating his he doesn't agree with the ideology behind it, and. That um, he can't. He he said in good conscience he can't like be associated with the IAAF for this. And um, so so he and he was a bit. He was kind of yeah, a kind of well-known person, kind of walking out. And the scientific uh, research which has been used to. Uh, back up this rule change um, did state that the, um, the events which um, for female athletes with high testosterone levels um, benefit um, they they benefit in the events of the 400, 400 hurdles 800 hammer throw and pole vault and just kind of from looking at that and then 
looking at the rule change, the rule change doesn't include the pole vault and the hammer throw in that ban. So the study says a uh, female athlete with a higher level of testosterone does benefit from having the hammer throw in the hammer throw and the pole vault, but those events haven't been implemented in the rule change. Um, which which, um, suggests to me um, that it's pretend I'm yeah I'm gonna try and be yeah okay so I think I I get the the point here Um, so in just a very brief summary they've implemented a new rule set which says that women with higher levels of testosterone will be banned from certain events generally track Banned from the 400 meters to mile on the track. Okay. So yeah. no field events. Certain so certain track events they've been banned yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, part of me is just like, does it matter? Like, some people it, have high it, levels it, of androgen. It, it, it matters a lot, to be honest. I know not not as in the topic itself, but I mean as in, um, does her having a higher level of androgens i know it affects it obviously affects the um the so outcome, she how, how well she can do but at the same time like every athlete every top tier athlete and not even just sports athletes every top tier of any field of any physical or intellectual or entertainment or literary field anyone who is at the top is always strange mm-hmm. they are always Freaks when it com- when it means when it compares to the rest of the um, rest of the population, they are always the top zero point zero 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 one percent. Yeah. Right. So why should it matter that she has a higher level of androgen? Well, 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 so the higher level of androgens pretty much translate to higher levels of testosterone, which uh, those kind of levels are also achievable through taking steroids. Yeah. So it's that kind of competitive advantage, and the argument is that it's unfair on all the other women who don't have this uh, innate, natural, high levels of testosterone. Um, yeah, I guess. And it's... and it's, it's all about kind of how you define gender, because with how athletics is and terms of how it's very binary it is there's a male category and there's a female category mm. there is no in between and if you are distinguishing the female category um in terms of hormone levels or accepted hormone levels hormone levels for women yeah um, so so avoiding the whole like gender issue of is sex or gender or whatever that kind of thing avoiding that because that's a whole other discussion yeah um but just on the basis of like like, i can understand the reasons for why we don't allow doping in sports right i can understand like oh it's for a fair chance and maybe people who don't have as much money like don't have as much resources won't be able no 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 no. It's, it's not to do with money because then it is completely unfair in terms of the yeah. British cycling because the amount of money that British cycling has to improve the technology and have the highest end bikes 
is completely different to somebody from another country which isn't as yeah. well funded. It's not to do with kind of resources. It's it's more to do with the health issues that come out of like yeah. use, uh, using the misuse of, of drugs. Steroids. So I can obviously I'm studying a pharmacy course. If I didn't say that misuse of drugs is bad, I would get kicked off or whatever. But um, obviously, don't do steroids, don't do drugs, whatever. They will ruin your life. Um, but at the same time, like there's a part of me which is like, you know what? I don't really care. I'd kind of like to see a bunch, like, the best humans can do. And not just in, like, oh, this is, like, from random selection and adaption over time. But instead of, okay, we have made this drug which allows you your muscle fibers to grow much better. And see what we can do with science. And not just running in circles a lot. Which I know is a very basic, it's not a basic, it's a very simplistic form of what training is for a lot of athletes. But, yeah, I mean, so... When it comes down to the, with this this case of Custer Semenya, I mispronounced the name, guaranteed. I, I mean, I personally, I can see why they banned her. I can see what what reasoning there is. Um, but at the same time, I don't. I wouldn't agree with that decision. I would be against it. And also, yeah, as you said, like if if the hammer events and the pole vault aren't banned, then obviously they've just cocked up. <laughs> they just haven't done it right. Yeah. Like, if the evidence points... If you're going to take... You can't take some of the evidence and ignore the others. That's not how science works. Yeah. And and actually, the... Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, the Olympic pole vault, women's pole vault champion has come out and said, if you are banning um, the 400 up to mile distances, you should also ban the pole vault and the hammer. Um, yeah. Because the... Because the study says that um, women with higher levels of testosterone do benefit, do have a uh, competitive advantage from high levels of testosterone. So that that's kind of when I did my quick research um, just before the podcast. That's that's kind of what jumped out to me, and I was I was quite yeah. So I think. In in the end, I think my 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 position is probably I can understand why they're doing it. I think they're doing even if okay, I can understand why they're doing it, and I think they've made action. They really shouldn't like immediately undo the last thing they did. If you're gonna make if you're gonna make a choice, back it up, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're gonna make a choice, actually do it right, do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But again, if it was my decision, I wouldn't. I would have just let yeah. it kept on going because it's it's it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, well, to, yeah, kind of to you, um, not being. Yeah, I mean, there's also it's also said of me, but I just I'm not really that bothered by sports. Yeah. I don't really care. I'm generally more interested in what people can do with their minds than what they can do with their legs. Yeah, but part part of what they do with their legs is to do with their minds as well. I guess, but like, I'm more interested in um, things like what we've been able to discover with science and also like how, like this is just a nerdy thing, I'm interested in how cultures form and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's just nerd me. Oh, uh, there's a really good um, documentary on the BBC that you should watch for that. That's good. But, but yeah, what's it called? Um, it's, it's If you go on iPlayer, it's the 
one about the Celts, and it kind of, yeah, it's it's mainly about the Celts, but it also does kind of suggest the um, new kind of theories about how the Celts kind of established themselves. So it's yeah. definitely worth a watch. Yeah, uh, I might I might try that out at some point. I've been watching a lot of Vikings recently, so I've been yeah. I've been trying to find like a very um, how do I say a very kind of light show if that makes sense something to watch that's just really easy watching like Brooklyn Nine Nine is a perfect example of this mm-hmm. just turn it on leave it and it's done yeah. uh, for for me that's been over the last few weeks that's been Archer yeah Wait. Archer I I enjoy it but some of its jokes are a little bit too crude yeah my tastes I can see how that mm. be yeah uh, where what is the name of this Celtic thing? Uh, what was it? Uh, if, you, if you go, yeah, if you go on BBC iPlayer, that's BBC Four, it... Celt. the Celts, blood, iron, and sacrifice of yeah, that's it. Okay, um, I'll have a look at that at some point. Definitely worth watch. Yeah, yeah well, uh, right. Are we are we on to my topic for you? Yes, we can be on this, your topic. I'm, I'm not going to lie, this topic is going to be far lighter than yours and far Thank you. shorter. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this, this topic is, I want you to recount the origin stories and the major adventure of Heinrich Berwinkel, <laughs> the glorious bard, the glorious dwarven bard. So we never fully established, like, what, he's from, where is he from? Where is Heinrich Berwinkel from? I have a pretty no idea. He's a dwarf, isn't he? He's a dwarf, yeah. Right, so he's from, he'll be from Dronhai. Um, Heinrich Berwinkel, he's from, he's from Dronhai. Is he, was he a son of a rich man, a um, poor man? He was a, he was the bastard son. Oh, oh, we're already getting to some intrigue. Of, of a rich man, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, one of the rich man's servants, and the servant was sent away um, after uh, it was known that she was... Very Hagar and Ishmael. Yeah. And yeah, so he kind of he, he kind of grew up, grew up with this with the label of a bastard and mm. he kind of had a chip on his shoulder. Um, but in addition to having that the chip on his shoulder, he also had an, an issue with the shoulder which meant he could never he could never really fully engage, engage um, with the kind of physical labour which dwarfs. Mm, yeah, make. dwarfs. So dwarfs in my setting, I don't know if I'm explaining. They are like very. They love war. Yeah. The two things dwarves are good at: administration and war. So, yeah. yeah. Really, they really love. Just like. And it, it also comes from their like culture aspect of anyone can rise to any position because their nobility isn't based upon a hereditary bloodline. It's based upon you join the military, you can join as a private, raise up the ranks to like general, and then when you retire in quotation marks, you are given control of an area by the king or the emperor, and you control that, and that's your land and you're like mm-hmm. lord. When you die, your sons get to keep like money and they're not necessarily thrown out of their house, but like they get to keep um, like their 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 own personal your own personal estates and your money, but the title it returns to the emperor for him to give to another general. 
Yeah. So that, that like, dwarves loved war. Um, so like if, if Heinrich Berwinkel wasn't able to engage in war, then yeah. he must have had a fairly uh, not-so-great life. Yeah, yeah, so he he was kind of picked on for not being able to. So where does the name Berwinkel come from? Berwinkel. Um, Did he kill a bear or something? Um, not exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so there was, um, he was just kind of out traveling, um, mm-hmm. and he so because he wasn't able to, um. Yeah, because he wasn't able to ha- be that too physical. He learned how to become a bard, mm-hmm. and he kind of channeled all of his kind of pent up frustration of not being able to do a lot of physical activity into um, his kind of bard his skill. His singing and his his, his, and his ability as a troubadour. Yeah. So. But yeah, so he was kind of walking along this mountain path, and this mountain path, um, and he came across um, this werebear. Oh, a werebear! A werebear. Okay. I don't know if they're are they a they're, thing. They are a thing. Yeah, yeah, they are a thing. Good, good, good. They're actually so came... to be good people, but this one could be evil if you want it to be. Well, so he came across this werebear, and mm-hmm. he, he Heinrich being. Actually, oh, he had already met Vlad Tips by this point. Has he? Has he met? Is this before the? Great... This, is bef- this is before the. Um, the adventure of Vlad Tips and. This is this is before the adventure. Bra- Brad Tips, sorry, Brad Tips, Brad Tips and Heinrich. So at that time he was just called Heinrich. So he was just he was just Heinrich. Alright. Um, so so he, they came across this werebear who um. And. He, um, how, how did he kill this werebear? Well, well, he didn't exactly kill the werebear. Right. So, uh, the thing is, the werebear wasn't a bear at the moment, at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a person. Yeah. So, um, so, it, so he kind of, um, kind of winked at this werebear. Oh, this person kind of came over. Started up a dialogue and they were like, "Oh, we have um, uh, I've got, I'm not from a camp not too far away. Do you want to come back?" And Heinrich was like, "Yeah," because Heinrich is Heinrich. And uh, Brad was like, "Can we not do this? I do not have time for this. Um, I have people to impale." (laughs) Yeah, Um, and then Heinrich was like, "Well, if they turn out to be not nice people, we can impale them." Um, so went back to this camp. Um, in which um, Brad kind of did the kind of Brad thing and just kind of stayed on the side not really engaging Heinrich was regaling them with his bard skills getting quite um, getting quite full of himself and and kind of it was as night got on it was getting more and more kind of saucy and raunchy uh-huh. um, he he went back into um, 
back into one of the tents um, with a couple of people. Um, kind of, he was already quite intoxicated as well, so he woke up not remembering anything from the night before, and he just kind of wakes up, and it's just a kind of mass of massive kind of tree trunks with bears on top of them, impaled. And he's just kind of like, what? And and Brad... Okay. So So, Brad killed a bunch of werebears. Yeah. Right, okay. (laughs) And And the name kind of came from Brad telling um telling Heinrich that he wanted he was he really wanted to poke the bear bears with it with his little winkle. Right. So that's where oh, bear okay. <laughs> so that's where basically bear, bear winkle is a nickname that Brad came up with which is hey, remember when you tried to screw a, uh, a werebear? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I think that's that's good enough for the, today's <laughs> saga of Heinrich Berwinkel, the glorious that's, bard. That's what happens when you put me on the spot. My mind goes to weird places. I mean, that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> not gonna lie, I almost forgot about Heinrich Berwinkel and Brad Tepes. Oh, I'm oh, gonna, that's... I'm bringing them back. They're gonna be in one of my games. They're gonna be just an NPC, some NPC somewhere. Yeah, good. I know how you love your NPCs. Oh, NPCs. Anyway. Are we, who's who's sponsoring us this week, Nate? Who's sponsoring us from your side? Well, what what is being sponsored is the pure fact that when you get an injury, you go from being um, you go from having a good fitness level to then the fitness level of an old man, hmm. where you can't get up and down the stairs without groaning. Mm. And I, I, I got off the, so I got back. I got drained back from uni today, and you know, you know, working in station, yeah, yeah, and how quickly you can get off the train and into the car park. Like it takes about a minute. Oh yeah, if that. It took me seven minutes. Ooh, Aish, man, Aish. Oh, I guess I was, you, you probably I was, weren't driving then, were you? I, I no, no. No, no. I actually, the person picking me up was quite like they saw my train come in and pull off, and I hadn't turned up for five minutes, so they're wondering where I was. And I said, and I kind of answered, "I've just come out the front. I'm, I'll be with you in a minute." Yeah, man, you must have. But I didn't. I didn't have my crutches with me, so I just was just hobbling. I had to take the lifts. Ugh. Poor Mister Hobbleboy. Yeah. So, so that's what's bothering me from my. So. To the dear listeners, there's a reason I call Nathan a cripple. He um, he tends to have this habit of hurting himself quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, for me um, this week, uh, what's bringing us is uh, tortellini, the most perfect of pastas. Okay. I've been I've been eating quite a lot of tortellini recently. I literally oh I made a really nice dish. I had some cheese and tomato tort- cheese and tomato and basil tortelloni or tortellini whatever. Um, and I fried up some vegetables and then put in like a tin tomato, right? Um, and made a very nice, um, kind of almost, almost bolognese kind of, uh, sauce. 
with um, with cheese and tomatoes and basil tortellini. Mm, it was delicious. Oh, wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's our sponsor this week. What's what's your question for me this week, Nate? Were you asking me? What is my question? My question to you. It's a bit philosophical. Mm-hmm. A bit semantical. Okay. And it's this. Can you have? How can you have? Anything which is post-apocalypse. If the apocalypse has happened, because the apocalypse is the end of everything. <laughs> Basically, you're calling into question all post-apocalyptica. Yeah. So uh, no, I have an answer for this, but I want to know what you answer. So it depends, because the word apocalypse has obviously changed meaning. Apocalypse yeah. technically means end of the world. Yeah. Uh, in, well, in the meaning it should have, or it used to have. It, um, it means end of the world, so everything is stopped. Uh, but obviously, after that, apocalypse has now just become a term which means after a great disaster, which causes yeah. mass loss of life and damage to society. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that is a fair answer. Yeah. And I, I my kind of justification was an apocalypse is the end of the world. Apocalyptic is an event which is. Mm. Like the end of a, like Apoc- the end of a an apocalyptic event is an event which is like the end of the world, a severe amount of damage so to it, population and people, and then the apocalypse is the end yeah. of the world. Is that so, the... So, that, so, so? There's nothing which is a post-apocalypse. There's some. There is. There is things that can be post-apocalyptic. Yes, post uh, post an apocalyptic event. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair enough. There we go. I hope you've learned something, dear listener. Sure. We also learned that neither Nate or I are a fan of a lot of the uh, mindless drivel of post-apocalyptics. Well, if if it's good, I mean, if it's good, it doesn't matter if it's post-apocalyptic. Like my favorite post-apocalyptic stuff is um, uh, Fallout, uh, New Vegas. Mm, Three's alright. Four's terrible. Um, um, And Mad Max. Mad Max is pretty interesting. Mad Max. Yeah. I've only ever watched Fury Road, but I, I like I like Mad Max. It's pretty... like also, Tom Hardy. Um, drink for Tom Hardy. Drink for Tom Hardy, Nathan. I don't have a drink of mm. uh... Drink for Tom Hardy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and also near the game, which is actually kind of really well. Like I think when I watched a playthrough of it, because I can't, I think it's like a PS2 or PS3 game, and I don't have one of those, and I don't want to buy one of them. Um, and like, there's a quote that someone said as I was play as they were watching it, as I was watching them play it, which was, "It's not the end of the world, but I can see it from here." Okay. So you I you're basically think... watching the slow entropy of the universe like collapsing, slow mm. apocalypse. Really, really interesting. Um, right. What's next? Uh, all right. My question to you, or is there anything yes. else you wanted to discuss? No, that was kind of it. Okay. Uh, my question to you. Is it ever right to kill? That's interesting. Um, I was watching a YouTube video today where they they were talking about cheating in a race. 
and this, and then it kind of, for some reason the it kind of went to is it uh, is it okay to kill somebody in a race? And the other person said yes if it's Adolf Hitler. Uh, and I'd say obviously self-defense is different. Mm-hmm. Um, murder is just completely wrong. But murder is just wrong. What if you had to murder someone who was about to kill a family member? Wasn't going to specifically they, they stated outright they would never kill you. But they would kill a family member or just a random innocent. Is it ever right to kill one of that to kill that person? In my opinion, mm-hmm. this isn't about like objective yes. truth. This is about uh, your opinion. Okay. So, as a thing, I I worded that question specifically. So yeah. my personal opinion. Is it is never right to kill, but you can justify killing. Okay, yeah. You can um, justify in, your, in self-defense your, yeah. that you are protecting someone. You can justify in the protection of someone else. You can justify killing, but I will never condone killing as a rightful action. It is never. Mm-hmm. In, it's never good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I can see that. Got a lot of the philosophical and moral ethics we're going through today. What? Oh, that's it's too much for me, mate. It's too much. Do you want to do something a lot, a little easier then? <laughs> I'm right. just looking at Babilla on some map at the moment. That's, that's right. not easy at all. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Babilla on, perfect Gee. segue. So uh, there we go. I'm looking at segue. This week for our final topic, which is basically just becoming Babilla on section of the week. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Let's roll with it. Well, Own it, James. Own it. Go in with it. So this week we're doing um, great heroes or cultural people. Doesn't, okay, so it doesn't necessarily have to be heroes. It can be villains as well. But people yeah. of great renown or fame or infamy in, yeah. um, in the different culture groups of yeah. the Berlin. We're doing one for each because otherwise we'll be here forever. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember the culture groups. Let's start with, let's be simple, let's start with the Snow Elves. Yeah, they're your babies for our, like, you. Let me go find them. Um, That's not right, that's what I want. The Snow Elves, Evig Ild. So obviously, the Snow Elves, I don't know if we've ever talked about them that much. No, I don't think we have. Okay, they're, they're kind of... Norse-ish kind of raiding um, uh, tribes that roam. Um, they have a little bit of agriculture, but not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very Darwinistic in their tendencies of the strong survive, the weak will die. Um, which is interesting. But yeah, so I guess like a very obvious um, thing would be uh, a historical figure for the Snow Elves. I don't know of a name. Um, would be someone who managed to uh, climb... Hmm. Actually... Okay, so in in the Evigild, in the Snow Elves, their belief is that there is this constant battle between the god of life and fire, and that kind of thing, and the god of death and ice. And so there's this constant um, battle 
um, and the snow elves are this they're, they're with this fire god and they're trying to prevent the freezing of all of reality like the, the slow death of everything yep right and so in in the ice elf belief they believe that the southern ice barrier or the northern ice barrier whatever you want to call it the, the southern yeah. pole it's ice actually extended further uh, south slash north beyond yeah. the ma- mountains of Freyak and Dartfell. Yeah. and they believe like however many thousands of years ago there was this legendary figure who led the charge um, and with great power and in great faith to their god they managed to push back the ice, and now these guys are the vanguard, constantly fighting against the ice. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. Well, they're, they're constantly fighting, and they're also kind of like, whoever lives, if they have a good death, when you die, if you lived a good death, if you lived a good life, you are cremated, and that way your soul will continue on with the spirit of the fire god, and then there's, they don't really have the concept of a apocalypse or the end of the world they just think there is this constant battle there's this kind of constant apocalypse in a sense they are always fighting the ice always 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 right and so when they die their spirit is simply given back to the fire god who they they become part of his immortal army in the sky will constantly Uh, fight more and more and more so they're kind of anti climate change people yeah climate change people but like they want the world to warm up (laughs) So kind of reverse climate change in how we kind of see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to do one? Let's just do one for all of the human kingdoms because we would be here for ages if we did for one for each. Yeah, isn't that the whole point? Hmm. Um, so there are loads of different kind of great legendary heroes which we can, we can use. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a lineage. Yeah. Oh, um, and so it is a bit cut and paste from CDs, but so this kind of there is this lineage of this kind of kind of great house that oh, they they've only really been that in terms of the lineage they've only been in the driving seat politically for maybe 200 years? Is it 200 years? Something like that. Yeah. 200, like 200 years. Um, so they're very quite new and kind of young are to they, it. Are these Mercians? Or... Yeah, they are Mercians. Mercians. They're, the, they're the ones who are in charge of Mercia. Yeah. Um, we, we may need to change the name Mercia and Camelot and Cornwall and stuff. Well, like well, well we're going to change... No, no, no. I've... It isn't Cornwall. It's Corwell. Cool or what? Okay, fair enough. So, I've, so I changed. I changed it just a bit so it isn't. <laughs> took out the end. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. I'm so funny. Mm-hmm. So so talented. Um, yeah, we'll change Camelot, but I think Mercia can stay because not a lot of people know about Mercia. Mm. So I think it kind of works. I mean, yeah, I guess. But a few um, people would do. Anyway, um. So, yeah. So, and it's not just that, it's also that um, kind of during an extended bit, that's where the kind of Arthurian mythos will go in, in as part of the lineage. Mm. So, but they won't be, so that 
bit of time is whilst the lineage isn't a major player, so the bit after... So in between... Um, the kind of when Hans was in charge. Yeah, Hans, I was going to say, in between one. what? Um, John and Hans. John and Hans. Was it? Was the last... Was Adam was decent? No, Adam was Carrick's father. Carrick was... So, was Carrick so, hiking? So, well, so the way the way it goes is kind of Artur, Brendan. So I think it was after Darren, right? Because Darren, because Darren married to Hattie, and Darren died. Yes, because Darren died on the wall with. Uh, yeah. Obviously, some of this would change. Yeah. Darren died with Brendan and his young yeah. son. Uh, they died on the walls, um, and then the crown, the High King crown, fell to someone else. Yeah, but the thing is that the High King ship works differently in Babylon. Mm-hmm. So the, the way it works is you... To be High King, you basically need all the kingdoms or earldoms to swear so, allegiance to you yeah. within the High King because like, there can be several kings at once because they have... To be a king, you need at least one I mean, other king to, to be a king, well, you just start calling yourself a king. And yes, as long as but, other people start calling you a king as well. Yeah, king. That, that's kind of how it works. So if you have another kind of significant area kind of swear allegiance to you, or if you impose your will on them, that is when other people will call you king of whatever. Hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of how it works. And to be high king, you basically need to be king of all the. Um, kingdoms on the main continent with Elibieron and Faunorm not counting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the legendary figure you come from is just cut and paste Dark Stone, Dark and Stone lineage. And I mean, if we wanted to focus on one person, we could do about the old Raven Man. Oh yes, um, Edward Ravencrone. Oh, he was quality. I do love, yeah. like, Edmund Ravencrone, for those obviously you don't know, because um, that would be like Yumi and John who know. Uh, but Edmund Ravencrone is this, he was the High King. Um, so this was back in the Skyrim, so I don't know how exactly yeah. how it ports over. But he was High King, uh, and then he young, started. Uh, he was the Young High King. Young High King. And he actually, he was, he had a lot of potential and a lot of promise, and he was going to be, like, amazing. He was going to be a leader, yeah. he was going to be. He, he right, was right, also, right. So pause for a sec. What? What? Okay, that's enough. It's time again. I have to put out me to put out my magic cards. I'm sorry. I'll eat them cold then. So now it's the banalish on the guard. One colorless, one white. It's sorry. a creature. Yes, I'm back. Sorry. What? <laughs> um. So Edmund Raymond Crone was a. Um. He was meant to be. He was going to be the greatest human high king after Artur himself. Uh, yeah. Artur, thing I don't know. I don't think Artur will be hiking because it's a bit too quick on them. But anyway, Artur's still like a legendary figure. It, oh, oh yeah. The hiking who should have been, as it were, man who could have been hiking. Um, and yeah, he was a legendary figure, and he was going to be amazing. And then he became corrupted by his magic man. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but yeah, we're gonna have to port Mako and Tread over. Oh, I love Mako mm-hmm. and Tread. Just these two guys tr- chasing each other across time. Two immortals, both like one chasing the other for hundreds of years. It's brilliant. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so his like his advisor, Magic Man, corrupts him, turns him evil, and he goes crazy. And then eventually he gets like uh, there's a rebellion, and he he gets captured. And I think the punishment is they like I never I don't know if I remember if we fully like put it down in stone, but what I remember was they took out his eyes and then yep. left him to starve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this, and then because we loved immortals, we turned him into an immortal of Nightingale or something, maybe, or some one of the Daedric princes. Um, turned him into an immortal, but an immortal that was never eat, needed to eat or sleep, mm-hmm. um, but was more wherever they went, they they spread disease. And yeah. so it became this almost uh, this cultural thing of the idea of a plague. You would say, "Oh, the Raven Man is here," and like they yeah. like in in culture they think it they think it is actually the Raven uh, Edmund Ravencrone, the old man mm-hmm. Raven is the spreader of disease in their in their cultural eyes. Yeah. Well, you, you might hate me for saying this. What are you going to say? Um, Edmund Ravencrone in how he is in the CDs. I think we need to split him up into two different people. Oh, no. We still get to have the Old Man Raven, though. So the Old Man Raven is still a thing. Um, that's just so we can if, have him if as, you a, took as away, a... If you took away my Old Man Raven, I'm no, I'm not taking. I'm not taking him away. We'll just put it, I'll just put him in, like, kind of right at the start of the Human Kingdom. Mm. So there's so more of a mythology can build. Yeah, around the character. Cool, cool. Um, and and he basically it's basically almost like a carbon copy. Earlier in the. Hmm. Early in the his earlier or mm-hmm. earlier in the history. I just like and, the fact that sorry, uh, one thing I loved about Edmund Rivercon is after he died and came back, he basically realised that his mind his mind had been like screwed with. And he'd been corrupted, and he was like, "Oh, I was a dick." Well, yeah. I guess life sucks now. <laughs> I'm blind, and I spread disease wherever I go. Mm. Yay! <laughs> I love Edmund Ravencrone. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's one cultural hero. Do you want to do? Let's just do one more because we can. I just realised there's quite a lot of cultural groups in. Um, mm. Let's do one for the common elves. Common elves. I'll let you do this one. Great. Impossible. Um, so, I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to think of something. Um, I mean, if we've just got awkward silence, I can cut that out in editing. I know. I think it works better with it, though. What, the awkward silence? Um, what if I lean in really close to my mic? Can you hear me now, Nathan? Can you Can you hear me? How do I sound? It's the same if I shout. It won't make that much of a difference. Yeah, I also cap the audio, so if you do shout, it only goes up to a certain volume and then stops. Because it otherwise, um, it would really screw with the people who are trying to listen. Anyway, um, don't do that. Right. Um, so we're gonna put the common elves on ice. 
just okay. because I don't really think we have much of a kind of culture around them yet. Yeah, we don't. We don't really know what they do. Um, well, we just kind of know they're the ones who interact mostly with the humans. Humans, yeah. Um, so we'll go for the great blood elf. Oh, blood elves, blood elves, blood elves, blood elves. I mean, we could just do a great legendary hero of the blood elves who managed to carve out a huge section of... Um, yeah, literally carve out a huge section of Abilarum, and then because blood elf culture is really dumb and they kind of sacrifice their own workforce to try mm-hmm. and appease their god, their their whole culture like slowly collapsed. And also, people don't want to be killed, so there was a very quick like rebellion. <laughs> but like the blood elves are like, oh, this guy is amazing. He he, he united the families and whatever. He he brought together a great age for the Nahatal. We 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 spread. Across the Babylon against the heathens, and we did this great, great, um, great expansion. But all the humans are like, you realize that guy's a moron. That's not how you run a country. You were killing your own workforce, and they were like set to rebel. We just had to go, hey, we'll help you, and they immediately overthrow you, overthrew you. You had to run all the way back. Well, I, I was, can do that, but I was thinking more of the great. Blood elf hero, which all blood elves are descended from, because yeah, of yeah. incest and pure blood. Pure blood in quotation marks. So, so basically, there's this. They, they <laughs> elven see him, hero. They see him as a god, kind of. They yeah, they see him as a god, and because they're descended from him, they are all little gods. Mm-hmm. Well, they believe yeah. in their religion. Everything has a kata. Which yeah. means like essence of God, but not like not in the sense of God is in everything, but everything rock, earth, stone, water, people, trees, plants, whatever. Everything has like a little kata in it, a little piece of a little like soul almost, but they would call it yeah. a god. And the more powerful the thing, the more powerful the kata. And mm-hmm. the most powerful thing that exists at the moment is the katatomi omat, uh, katatomi Katatomi Mot Atak. It's very hard to say that properly. Um, And that's the sun. They think it's most powerful, but they think the sun is like evil because it killed their great leader, uh, Tlachoch. He was a vampire. (laughs) Potentially. Um, But then Tlachoch bled and created the blood elves, and from there, that's how their bloodline has kept. Well, a lot of ancestors kept their bloodline, in quotation marks, pure. Well, everybody understands genetics. Mm. Anyway, do we want to? Do we want to end here? Then, have you got a a Bible verse to read? Uh, Show me to find a Bible verse. The Lord so loved the world that He gave His only Son. There oh, we go. Don't don't just don't even. Uh, I mean, you didn't even finish John three sixteen. Oh, I've got one. Um, I don't know where it is, uh, but it is something that I've been repeating to myself a lot, which is, put to death, therefore... Sorry. Put to death, therefore, your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. I think there's a caution something, but I don't remember. Anyway, say goodbye, Uh, Nathan. Lovely way to sign off. Lovely way. Say goodbye. 
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we will see you at some point.